Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. In this episode, Penny Lane is in our ears and in our eyes with Hail Satan. And beneath the blue suburban skies of Madrid lies pain and glory, the new Pedro Almodovar. I'm Jake Cunningham and joining my altar of audio and casting a satanic conversation with me this week, we have our very own Cerberus. Sam Howell. <laughs> Good. Good. Hello. <laughs> and she's a devil at programming female-led releases for the Bechdel Test Fest. It's Stephistopheles Watts. <laughs> Hello. That was lovely. Thank you. One of your best openings. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. Pretty good. All right. We'll put that in the top tier. We'll put that in the greatest hits coming out this Christmas. I think you might have used Sam Howell at, on another horror episode or something, though. <sighs> Yeah, but it's easy. I'm going to make it? sure you don't do it again. Yeah, listen. remember it. Go back. <laughs> How many times have I used that when I've been searching for a joke for a Halloween film? <laughs> um, so we've got a couple of lovely decadent releases to go over this week. We're going to start um, with Hail Satan, which is a documentary about the satanic temple, which might not be exactly what you think. Uh, so Penny Lane's film... Uh, is about the Satanists who are steadfastly working to preserve the separation of church and state in America. And in just three years, their members have risen from just three to now over 100,000, including the film's own director. So, Hail Satan. What do we know? Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail, Hail Satan. Satan. Hail Satan. <laughs> um, what do you make of this one? This is really, really good Yeah, because um, I think people go into this expecting it to be a film about a group of people that worship a demon, and it's definitely not that because they are far more of a... If, if the demon is understanding... <laughs> the demon empathy. is nice. <laughs> um, they're more like a political activist group. So their whole thing is they want to stop the fact that uh, church and state are very joined in America. And they want to promote religious pluralism, which is uh, this belief that all religions are equal, but none and none have more weight versus the other. And in America, which is a heavily, heavily, heavily Christian country, they don't like that. So, for example, when uh, a statue of the Ten Commandments goes up on state property, they say, OK, well, we should be able to have a statue of Satan on church property as well. It's Baphomet. Baphomet, that's yeah. the one. Um, so they are Black Philip, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is Black Philip. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they're they are someone 
in the documentary calls them like the original trolls, which I really like. <laughs> they are they don't actually worship Satan; they're just doing it to kind of troll the Christian. Mate, Justin Timberlake right. and Anna Kendrick are the original trolls. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I thought you were going to say the original Satanist. <laughs> yeah, so was I. <laughs> if you play mirrors backwards. <laughs> okay, um, and so to give a bit of context on Penny Lane as well, her previous film, which I haven't seen, sounds brilliant. It's called Nuts, and it really lives up to that name because uh, it's it's kind of mixing animation and live action to tell this story of a doctor who would insert goat testicles into maybe she just really likes goats. Maybe that's <laughs> yeah. the link between her films. Anyway, um, she would he would insert goat testicles into male scrotums to try and cure impotence, and uh, this, apparently this amazing collage uh, of style, and it won the editing award at Sundance uh, with Hale Satan. She's kind of gone down a bit more straight and narrow, a bit more Louis Theroux type route mm. to this, just to get on the inside, um, and perhaps that hinders it at points as well. Well, I think. This is a far more. This is a subject that she, I think she's more. The fact that she's become a member of the Satanic Temple, she's taking it more seriously in a way, and she really wants to promote the fact that this isn't a joke. These aren't like silly people that genuinely believe and have pagan rituals. These actually are doing things for good, and they are, you know, they're very pro LGBT rights. They are uh, very pro choice and the things they are doing are using these kind of sensational tactics to kind of bring attention to these things yeah and using like the, like it's all very tongue in cheek it's like they're having fun yeah. like there's there's a drive to get sanitary products called menstruate and for satan <laughs> and it's quite a light-hearted view on it isn't yeah. it yeah so? yeah and i think um the actual content kind of does a lot of the work and speaks for itself mm. where um, I guess for maybe a more um, obscure subject like nuts, you maybe want to like have a bit more fun with it. And then with this, you can you can have like the talking heads and the quite kind of straightforward um, like kind of narrative. I guess like the main narrative thread is them trying to get the Baphomet statue mm. um, next to the Ten Commandments. Um, but yeah, so you can have that kind of straightforward documentary style. But they're talking about like all this crazy stuff that you just wouldn't like think was real if it wasn't a documentary <laughs> if it wasn't actually real so i think that definitely helps that the she's chosen such a good subject and does does that mean that because it is uh so pro then mm. um does it feel like you're trying to be converted by the film like as as the director i'm sure she's because like they're they're good folks so i'm sure she's yeah, happy yeah, to yeah. be a member of the church but like are, are you... It's not like uh, if Louis Theroux suddenly became a Scientologist at the end of my Scientology movie. Like, it's not like that. It's not as insidious as that. It's, it seems very genuine. And I think I think the film is very genuine. I think it's it's quite lighthearted in a way at, at points. Like the, there's, It's got this uh, score throughout, which is very kind of almost the score, score of a comedy film. Um, and I, th- I, I do think maybe the film is, is very kind to the satanic temple it's it doesn't really ever show them in a negative light it's very much it's not like an expose or anything it's very it feels a little bit like it might have been made by the satanic temple if you know what I, mean. I i do think because they don't do a lot of press mm. the actual the temple it took a lot of hard work from penny lane to, to convince get them in to, the door yeah. so mm. i'm not surprised that editorially after so much hard work to just yeah get in there yeah. that it mm. does end up being this 
more positive skewing thing. Mm. Um, but I think, I mean, you get all of the satanic panic kind of late 80s in mm. America stuff. And I feel like there's so much of that stuff out there that's just kind of wildly... Um, Maybe, I don't know if it's like inaccurate. I mean, like over the top mm. kind of like panic about Satan worshippers. Um, so I think it's like, it's quite nice to have something that's kind of going inside and letting those people um, explain themselves. Yeah. And having fun with those expectations, mm. like even down to the name of the film and the artwork. Yeah. That it, like, yeah. It's definitely playing on our preconceptions as what a film called Hail Satan Yeah, which is kind be. of the point of the yeah. Satanic Temple in the first mm. place. Yeah. Um, and we'll be seeing you at a sermon this time next week. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, see you at the temple, everyone. And uh, you can watch Hail Satan on Cousin Home Cinema this week. Religion in the home. Wow. <laughs> How wonderful technology. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, now it is time to move from Penny Lane to Penny Cruz as we talk about Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory. Uh, Sam, do yes. you know what this film is about? Do you know what, Jake? I do know what this film is about. What? This film is a Pedro Almodovar film starring Antonio Banderas as a director called Salvador Malo, who is heavily inspired by Almodovar himself. And it's set towards the end of his career. And as a new restoration of one of his films uh, is being shown, he reunites with one of his estranged friends and shakes loose old memories. So the film, it moves back and forth between uh, the recollections with his mother, played by Penelope Cruz, his early sexual awakening and his current heroin-lined state of listlessness. Wait, so this is, this is a film about filmmaking? About a director? I know. What? 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 That's that's too much. <laughs> All right. Um, so if you were someone who had uh, never heard of Pedro Almodovar, which I'm sure because this, this film is uh, going to be pretty big, I'm sure even like looking ahead to even next year's Oscars, there'll be conversations about it. So there'll be a lot of people going to see this film who don't know the, the context behind it. Uh, Steph, uh, let's pretend. I don't know who Pedro Almodovar is. I've never seen any of his films. Mm-hmm. Um I hear a synopsis like that. I'm kind of already thinking this is this is indulgent. Uh, this is uh, egotistical. Uh, is that this film? Um, I don't think it is. I think it could definitely seem like that. Um, but I think there's kind of there's so much in that you have like Antonio Banderas is such a charismatic actor anyway. He's worked so much with Almodovar, um, and I think it's just actually really kind of sensitive and kind of exploring those themes of kind of getting older, getting to the end of your career, which I know like we're not at that point, but um, I think it's actually quite easy to relate to and feel 
kind of um, feel feelings for that main character. Yeah, I don't think it's not so insular to be only applicable to being a film director. Yeah. Like, I'm sure anyone in any kind of job is going to find uh, kind of something to connect to with his listlessness, mm. his kind of um, creative stoppages. Mm. Yeah, and you have his relationship with his mother as well. So Penelope Cruz in flashbacks is playing his mother and then um, you have kind of his yeah how his relationship with his mother has kind of gone on throughout his life so there's that part as well it's not just him kind of being completely engrossed in his work and Mm. like looking at that um even though there are i think antonio banderas actually wears some of almodovar's real clothes in the film so there's definitely that autobiographical Mm. connection so um sam you you, you're more well versed Mm -hmm. in in these films than i am um with references like that to to Almodovar himself, to knowledge of his life, to then also lifting stuff from his previous films. Do you think this strays too far into the Almodovar's to become alienating? No, not not at all. I think that if you are an Almodovar fan like I am, I've seen a lot of his films and there's a lot here that felt very familiar and recognisable as an Almodovar film. So drug addiction, like this strange relationship with your mother... Uh, sexual awakenings. Um, he's already he's also he's already made a film about a filmmaker, which was Broken Embraces. So he has done. There's a lot of things here that immediately I thought I felt I felt very comfortable with this film as an Almodovar film. I was like, okay, I know exactly where I am with this film. That's not a bad thing at all because I think anytime there's a new Almodovar film, it's really exciting. But I do, th- but I think if you love Almodovar, you'll see this and you'll think, okay, this is a great addition to his his oeuvre. But also, if you don't love Almodovar, or if you haven't seen any Almodovar, this is a really great introduction because it encapsulates so much of what makes Almodovar great. Mm, okay. Um, what do you think it's doing differently? Because um, for me, like the, something that I picked out is it, it is just it's almost like someone's taken the volume on Almodovar's setting, which is normally at eleven, <laughs> and maybe taken it down to a soft seven. Well, he kind of his volume controls go up and down throughout his career, so you get something like. Time Me Up, Time Me Down, or um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. And those are pretty much full-on, very colourful, very camp melodramas. And in recent years, so I think from Volver, which is quite melodramatic, but was a little bit more toned down. And then like uh, a few years ago, we had Julieta, which again is a very, very toned down for Almodovar. It's still quite melodramatic at points. And so is this film as well, I think. Pretty much every scene is just a few steps away from being camp, from being melodramatic. And I, I think uh, with what we were saying about Penny Lane and how Satan really, that, that these are directors that are taking their, they think these subjects, okay, I need to take this very seriously. I don't want to be too playful stylistically. I'm going to kind of present it in a way that means people purely take this, take it seriously. Mm. Okay. Um, story-wise, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's borderline episodic. Like mm. It's not like got a kind of traditional circular narrative structure. Kind of ideas were waft in and out of it. Mm. Um, at times, for me, I, I did find that a little frustrating because, uh, like, kind of expectations of when things are going to come in and pay off, and mm. and um, perhaps it's exciting to be subversive um, from a storytelling perspective like that. Uh, Steph, how did you engage with how this story actually played out? Um, because there's there's when you actually look at what happens in the film, there's actually quite a lot. 
Mm. Yeah, a lot happens, like just thinking about it now. Um, but I think it benefits from having that kind of non-linear narrative a little bit because um, you are yeah, seeing these kind of mini episodes that I think kind of encapsulate that that character and maybe like the story of his life because you get kind of that first bit where he's uh, thinking about one of the first films he made that he's like really not happy with and then kind of reconciling with that and then you have like the stuff with his mother and then you have heroin addiction um yeah so you have these kind of little themes that are all kind of tying together but I don't think you could do that with a normal narrative structure yeah it's almost like looking at an ingredient list and he's like packaging them up along the way <laughs> and then you get this mm. you do get a payoff at the end of kind of what all of mm. these elements have been adding up mm. towards um like but then you do get these strange meandering bits where it'll just go into a kind of almost galaxy brain style animation about <laughs> the injuries that he yeah, has yeah i wasn't his... sure about those <laughs> yeah. bits um, but they were he, over quite quickly, so yes. I forgot about them until you mentioned them just now. But I did remember sitting there watching this. This is weird, like animation about how he learned about history and geography and yeah. science because he, he he was in the choir at school, so he didn't get to go to all of his classes. It's a really strange moment. Yes, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, there, and there are little diversions like that that don't completely click um, mm. for me. But I think you're. Your key things that are going to get you into this are other performances as well. Mm. I think Banderas and Cruz are terrific. Um, Cruz is like just trying, having to play that uh, kind of supportive mother role um, without much help from the man on the side or anything mm -hmm. like that. And that can be a bit thankless to be put mm -hmm. into that position. But she's so empathetic and she's actually given a little bit to do comically mm. like you, like she can be Penelope Cruz can be really funny oh yeah and like there's a bit where uh, she's she makes him a sandwich whilst they're sitting on a bench and they don't know where they're going to spend the night mm. and it's just the way that she figures out what's going to be in that sandwich and hands <laughs> it to a kid and it's just a few seconds um, but is really funny mm. um, and she's uh, a special contribution something, like she has an some really weird odd casting. credit yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, to watch out for but our main man is Antonio Banderas he won the yeah. best actor prize at Cannes um, Steph how did you take to him in this film oh, I thought he was great I think he's always one of those actors just so charming just anything you see him in just just love it um, <laughs> and I think I think it's like really special because obviously he's worked so much with Pedro Almodovar and Penelope Cruz has as well I think they've I don't know how many films they've... This is in. their Pedro and Antonio's eighth film. Mm. So I think it feels kind of really special for them to kind of come back together and re-collaborate on that. And um, he feels like an actor that knows, like, the director's life mm. really well and just kind of can really, like, sink into that subject. And I don't know if you could get that level with an actor that maybe hasn't worked that much with. Um, and obviously Penelope Cruz playing his mother is kind of something that I guess you have to trust somebody yeah. a lot with and like I think know that's that it. really well. It's the, it's the level of trust mm. that Almodovar has in his actors mm. that allows them to give these performances because he has to give those roles to people that he thinks know him well mm. enough to mm. be able to do them as well. But it is, it's thing, I think it's a really interesting Banderas performance because... Um, I know people will say like, oh yeah, you can feel like he's lived in the role or like his, his like years have caught up with him in this mm -hmm. and he's really... 
this is not a Banderas that I feel like I've seen a lot of. I have never seen this. It's not like we've seen the development up to this point. Um, He said going into this film that you've done 20 years worth of Hollywood films. I've learned so much and I can't wait to go to Pedro and show him all that I've learned for this (laughs) film. And then Pedro said, yeah, you don't need that. (laughs) (laughs) You do do what I say. Uh, (laughs) And it it is different. And yeah, he has done his, his strings of like, direct to DVD or Zorro's and things like that. And you... No, not Zorro. Oh no, I like Zorro, but I'm not I'm just saying that maybe the Mask of Zorro and this performance are slightly different. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> um he was Puss in Boots as well, Jake. Sorry, yeah. yeah. A lot of parallels between Puss in Boots and this performance as well. Sorry. I'm really messing this point up <laughs> that, that those are different performances to this one. <laughs> anyway, this is a slightly different performance to his role as Puss in Boots. And for that, I think it's very valuable. <laughs> this is, yeah, 100% this is his best performance of his whole career. And, you know, you do you do definitely feel, because they had a nearly 20-year gap between um, working together at some point. And I think Banderas was in a bit of a strange place before The Skin I Live In a few years ago. And I think it took Almodovar to bring this this sort of this actor that could take challenges again and take risks. And I think this is another culmination of that again. He's brought this actor back to do something that he hasn't done before. And I think it's really paid off. And as you say, one best actor at Cannes. And I I think he's definitely a shoo-in. Mm. At least a nomination. Yeah. Um, for an Oscar. And for a relatively quiet performance. Yeah. Which is, again, not something we'd expect out from... Uh, a film within this from this director yeah, for yeah. sure um, and that there's that tenderness the sensitivity the quietness that comes throughout the film even down to weirdly the production design which is normally in his film is so like heightened primary colours yeah which is still there in this but because of the way that the film is delivered in that it is a bit more sombre and it's a bit more reflective and meditative it just means these colours that in mm. previous films took on such heightened emotion here they just contribute to mm. a melancholy mm. because they're situated within uh, much more different performances. It, it's a really interesting film to watch and one to live in as well, I think, because mm. um, he, he creates such interesting worlds. Um, and de- definitely one to continue your your education Absolutely, mm. budding I, Almodovar fans out there. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I think if you haven't seen any Almodovar, it's good to see it and then kind of go back and explore all his other work. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, also, this has a incredible final shot, mm. one that really made me like gasp almost to be like, "Oh, this is this film," and I was so like taken aback that the final shot could suddenly like it's like someone clicking in my ear that it's been this film all along, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this is great." I loved it. Uh, I think this is one for uh, anyone who's kind of interested in films about filmmaking as well. We're going to be covering the souvenir on our next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but like looking back, you've got films like Eight and a Half, which would have influenced Pain and Glory. Um, um, but I think this is maybe one for fans who enjoyed uh, the Sorrentino film Youth, which I know had its detractors. Um, but I think there's there's something about the like the the later year creative people trying to muddle through. Um, the the kind of confusion and detriments of old age um, want to seek out there. Uh, but Sam, what is happening on Curzon Home Cinema? Curzon Home Cinema, as we mentioned earlier, you can watch the brilliant Hell Satan. It's very exciting. Uh, so that's in cinemas and on Curzon Home Cinema. And then 
everyone is still Tarantino crazy at the moment with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood out in cinemas. Um, so on home cinema, you can catch up with some of his previous films. So with Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown. Ah, lovely. A great collection and definitely one that feeds. I think the best compar- uh, the best double feature for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood there would be Jackie Brown. I think if you're yeah. going to do the two. All right. Um, so if you've got any thoughts on Pain and Glory or Hail Satan, you can always let us know by tweeting us at Curzon Cinemas. Uh, or you can let all of us know directly if you so desire. I'm on Twitter at Jake H. Cunningham. Sam, you are there as? At Sam Howlett underscore one. And Steph. I am at underscore Steph Watts. Lovely. All right. If it's your first time listening to the show and you've enjoyed it, do subscribe. You can do that on iTunes, Acast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, And if you enjoyed it, leave us a review or a comment. That would be absolutely lovely as it does help us get new listeners. All right. Um, But until next time, uh, a hearty Hail Satan from us all. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.